The Gonzalez family believes their daughter tried to get away from their attacker. Alec Murdoch gets another court date. The Pennsylvania prison escapee, well, he tells all. Uh, hookers and blow in Nantucket? Ooh, who would have thought? Scandalous. Mother of the year that uh, involves sex and drugs and our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment. Hit that little bell for notifications. And remember, you can listen to us anywhere on any of your favorite podcasting apps. All right, let's go ahead and get straight to the docket for September 14th of 2023. Let's go ahead and open the record. First, the father of the University of Idaho murder victim has claimed that there was evidence that his daughter tried to escape her murderer. Now, the uh, families of the victims spoke with CBS News for a special on the murders that will be aired on Saturday. It comes just days after the uh, sole suspect in the Moscow quadruple murder, Brian Koberger, appeared in court um, for a hearing where the judge heard arguments on cameras in the courtroom, whether they should be there or not, or, you know, I think as the judges noted and the defense has noted, this is not entertainment. Anyway, the Gonzalves claim that there is evidence to show that uh, their daughter awakened and tried to get out of the situation, but she was assaulted and stabbed. That's according to Stephen Gonzalves, and he is referring to his daughter, uh, Kaylee Gonzalves. He believes that Kaylee was stuck between her friend's body and the wall before the attacker actually uh, attacked her at that moment, citing the coroner's report for that uh, belief. He says there's evidence to show that she was awakened and tried to get out of that situation, but she was assaulted and stabbed. The bed was up against the wall, the headboard was touching the wall, and the left side of the bed was touching the wall as well. And the family believes that Maddie was on the outside and Kaylee was on the inside the way the bed was set up. She was trapped. Now, Kaylee's mother, Christy, said that she thinks the killer's plan went awry, adding that he intended to kill one, but wound up killing four that evening. Now, on Wednesday, uh, both the defense and the prosecution have asked the court to restrict cameras in the uh, trial of the uh, four slain University of Idaho students. That hearing ended with no decision on the matter from the judge. Now, the Latah County District Court Judge, Judge John, uh, said other trials with cameras have spun out of control and that what is happening is not entertainment, but a tragic issue. I so agree. But people have a right to know the type of people that are in their neighborhood. They have a right to see what kind of prosecution is going forward and what type of defense is going forward. It's called newsworthiness. And if that court can't maintain the solemnity of a courtroom, that's on the court, not, not the uh, participants involved. Anyway, Mr. Koberger, uh, obviously he's the uh, former PhD student, and uh, he was obviously indicted for killing Madison Mogan, Kaylee Gonzalez, Zaina Cronodal, and Etha Chapin. Now, they don't want any cameras in the courtroom. Well, that's Brian Koberger and his attorneys and the prosecutors being a political 
being political and says, well, we believe we have to protect the First Amendment, but we really don't want it because there'd be some really bad things that people will hear. Like I said, I'm of the mindset that people should be able to hear the really bad things that goes on in their neighborhoods because as somebody that's done this work for 28 years, I think if people had any idea what actually took place in the world, they would literally lock their doors, probably, I don't know, get up in the little fetal position, holding some sort of firearm of some type and uh, not come out again until morning. It is a dangerous world out there, ladies and gentlemen, and the people need to see and know what is taking place. Next on the docket, Alec Murdoch was in court for the first time since his double murder conviction, and he is facing financial fraud-related charges um, in Beaufort County, South Carolina. Yes, I admit, I have a residence in Beaufort, South Carolina. I love it down there. Who would have thought there were such scandalous things going on down there? Well, anyway, this is for the case where Mr. Murdoch allegedly stole millions of insurance payments intended for the family of his late housekeeper who died from that uh, mysterious uh, slip and fall on his uh, front porch. Well, Alec Murdoch tried to skip the court appearance, but he was ordered to appear by Judge Clifton Newman, who also presided over his murder trial earlier in the year. Now, a trial date for the financial fraud case has been set for November 27th, which was against the defense team as they wanted to write it out as long as they can. But the judge set the date. And obviously, if it is going to be uh, brought to us via television, like his original double homicide case was that went just fine, except for allegedly the clerk tampering with the jury, it wasn't um, anybody else's fault, I guess. The irony of it all. Anyway, it just shows you that a trial can be broadcast and um, the proceedings uh, still maintain their solemnity that uh, needs to take place. And uh, Mr. Murdoch did not get the opportunity to wear a suit today. He got to wear the orange prison jumpsuit and uh, was handcuffed the entire time. And uh, shockingly, his family wasn't there in the courtroom today. All I want to know is how much longer is his attorney going to be able to stay on without getting paid? We know they exhausted all the money that he got from his retirement savings account. Maybe his brothers are paying for it. I don't know. Next on the docket, the Pennsylvania escapee. Well, he decides to tell all. Yes, remember the escape prisoner there in Pennsylvania? Danilo Cavalcante. Well, he was able to survive two weeks on the run by eating watermelons, drinking stream water, and covering up his poop in an effort to avoid tracking the authorities. I guess he is pretty much ready for the uh, series alone where he could survive maybe in Alaska for, or Canada, I guess it is, for months and months. Well, no, he made it two weeks. Anyway, Mr. Cavalcante was uh, captured on Wednesday after, like I said, he spent two weeks on the run following his escape from the Chester County Prison there in uh, Pennsylvania on August 31st. Now, the United States Marshals stated that um, Mr. Cavalcante uh, was brutally honest when talking to law enforcement about his uh, dramatic capture and revealed there were several occasions police literally stepped on him and um, they didn't notice him. Uh, according to the uh, marshal, on three occasions, law enforcement officers did almost step on him. They were also several times where they were maybe seven to eight yards away. So we're talking three feet in a yard, so 20 feet, 21 feet to 24 feet. There you go, pretty close. And as most people know, we brought to the story the uh, alleged, well, the convicted killer 
uh, scared a lot of uh, people in the Pennsylvania community during his time at large because he was breaking into homes, changing his appearance, stealing cars and firearms, which <laughs> I'm surprised he did that because there's laws against that. And as a convicted felon, he shouldn't have those guns. Well, he shouldn't steal cars either. Oh, so I guess that means that people are going to commit crimes even though they know it's against the law. Hmm. Shocking. Anyway, Mr. Cavalcante stumbled upon a watermelon patch during his time on the loose and admitted to the authorities that he stole the watermelons from the farm in order to survive. Mr. Cavalcante um, was in prison for murdering his wife. He was also basically uh, on the run because he was, I would say on the run, but how do we say this? He was accused of uh, killing people in his native country of Brazil as well. Well, out there, he also drank some stream water uh, to stay hydrated, which is necessary. And he told police that um, he survived the manhunt for so long, mainly because he moved during the evening and would tactically cover up his feces, i.e. he buried it, which is what they teach you, you know, if you have to go in the woods, you bury it up. And uh, so the dogs and things won't uh, find him as well. He also moved about at night so they would not catch him. Uh, some things that he talked about after he escaped is he didn't move very far, according to the marshals. He stayed in the same area for at least the first three days. And like I said, with the modern melons, the stream water, hiding in very thick, thick thickets. Um, and he stayed there unless he was um, going to move at night. Mr. Cavalcante also told the marshals that he had planned to escape the uh, perimeter that they had set up within probably the next 24 hours, but he got he got uh, caught. Um, he apparently had scoped out a spot on the perimeter he thought he could get across, and he scoped out a residence where he believed there may have been some vehicles, and he took advantage of that, according to the uh, police. And that was the same thing for the second perimeter as well. He said that law enforcement officers on a day-to-day -day basis uh, were just more and more of them, and he was obviously getting concerned. He couldn't simply stay there. He noticed the aerial assets he noticed uh, from the helicopters, and his uh, spidey senses thought he should probably get up and leave. Anyway, Cavalcante had uh, also stolen a rifle, which he was going to use to carjack a motorist and ultimately make his way to Canada. So he'd be an international, multi-jurisdictional escapee, prisoner, fugitive, multi-jurisdictional. Wow. Well, the escape prisoner obviously was uh, caught and uh, he was cornered about 20 by 25 officers in the woods near the South Coventry Township Wednesday morning after authorities used thermal imaging from an aircraft to pinpoint his possible location on the previous evening. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. He's captured. I wonder when all of the love letters will start rolling in for Mr. Cavalcante. And I'm sure he'll have a fan club soon. Next on the docket, Hunter Biden. He got indicted. Hunter Biden faces up to 25 years in prison after being indicted on three felony charges for lying about his crack cocaine addiction when buying a gun. Now, in a sensational development, the first son will have to appear in court in Delaware after the grand jury returned three charges against him, including two counts of false statements on his gun form and one possession of a firearm while addicted to illicit drugs. Next on the dock, doctors going wild in Nantucket. Now, I don't know who's been to Nantucket. Show of hands, raise your hands. I have. In fact, I was there literally about this time last year. 
And I think Nantucket, all the people I met there were very nice. And we were there after the holiday season, so to speak. Uh, but they pride themselves on not much going on there is what I can gather. So when a doctor dying of cancer rolls in on his big boat and the police have to be contacted because someone is overdosing, and then they find out there's not only hookers and blow, but they're making porn? I don't know. It kind of reminds me of that little skit from The Family Guy where they break in and they say, you're under arrest for prostitution. He goes, it's not prostitution. We're making pornos. And the police kind of say, oh, okay, well, I guess that's okay then. <laughs> so apparently porn was being filmed on board the retired doctor's party yacht before the cops arrested him for suspicion of drugs and guns. Remember Scott Burke, 69-year-old doctor, has terminal cancer apparently. He was released on a $200,000 bail last week after his lawyer told the court that uh, he has terminal stage 4 cancer and he just has a couple months to live. So I guess this is what you do when you got a couple months to live. Not travel the world, see your family. No, hookers and blow, baby. That's what it's all about, apparently. Anyway, the good doctor's 82-foot-long yacht called the Jess Khan, named after his two children, was raided on September 5th in Nantucket after a woman on board called a friend for some help. The woman told the man they were doing drugs all weekend long and uh, people on the boat had been making pornographic films, according to the affidavit for the arrest warrant. She added that she wanted to leave the boat before passing out, causing her male friends to contact authorities, telling them that they maybe thought she had overdosed. Well, the Nantucket Police Department arrived, got on the boat, and determined that they had found uh, ketamine, Adderall, ecstasy, and cocaine. Uh, there were also sources that um, said that several prostitutes were found on board. They're not prostitutes if they're making porn. Remember that. Anyway, no charges have been brought against Dr. Burke on those allegations. Now, the police report uh, said that the uh, cops raided the boat after reports of a distressed woman who didn't feel safe on board and possibly suffered from this overdose. We mentioned that. Uh, but Burke was charged with one count of trafficking of a Class B drug, one count of possession of distribution of a Class A drug, and one count of possession of ammunition without a license, and four counts of possession of a large capacity feeding device, large capacity magazine, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, he's pled not guilty to the charges and uh, was apparently extremely uncooperative when the police boarded the yacht and uh, was placed in handcuffed and detained because of his behavior, according to the affidavit. Now, the married father of two claimed that the women who uh, allegedly had overdosed had been working for him for a few weeks and her uh, female friend was staying on the boat. Now, the good Dr. Burke practiced in the great state of Colorado and initially denied knowing that there were any illegal drugs on his boat. Now, the women on the boat also denied knowing about any drugs, though one claimed that she had a prescription for some Adderall. Um, authorities did find, get this, 43 grams of cocaine, almost a couple ounces, 14 grams of ketamine, a 380 pistol, and a 39 millimeter rounds in a magazine and a 12-round magazine for a 9mm pistol. Sounds like a party, doesn't it? It's also revealed that multiple rounds of ammo were found on the bedroom floor of the yacht, where the uh, doctor allegedly admitted that the guns were. Now, Mr. Dr. Burks also stated that he owned the boat and that he had a license to carry the firearm, which turned out he did in Florida, and that expired back in 2022. You know, I think just from here on out, the rest of the show is just going to be hookers and blow because we have another mom contestant of the year involving 
sex and drugs. Please meet Amy Marie Kemper. She was arrested over the weekend for um, not doing the hookers and blows thing, but bringing her 11-year-old son to a hotel room where she drank, snorted cocaine, smoked marijuana, and had group sex with uh, anywhere between two to five men, one of whom died just feet away from where the uh, child was sleeping, according to the police. Now, Miss Kemper was charged with one count of child neglect without great bodily harm. Thank goodness no one was hurt. But the uh, Flagler County Sheriff said in a statement, a woman thought it was okay and a good idea to bring her child to a resort in the middle of the night so that she could engage in narcotics use and sexual activities. Not mother of the year material, that's for sure. At least not if you're not being sarcastic. Anyway, apparently what happened on Sunday morning about 9.39 a.m., deputies with the Flagler County Sheriff's Office and emergency medical personnel responded to a medical emergency at the Hammock Beach Golf Resort and Spa located there um, in the Palm Coast area. Upon arriving at the uh, site, uh, paramedics began life-saving procedures on a 60-year-old unresponsive male. And after extensive life-saving measures were exhausted, the man was pronounced deceased. Now, a deputy spoke with Ms. Kemper, who said she had been staying in the hotel room with the deceased man and another 52-year-old man. The affidavit notes that Ms. Kemper also had her 11-year-old son with her on the scene. Now, the cause of death of the man was not immediately clear, although I got a pretty idea, good idea what happened. Anyway, the police also said that they found marijuana, Viagra pills, burnt blunts, and a silver tray with a white powdery substance that appeared to have a residue of some unknown white powdery substance. I think somebody's heart exploded. That's what I'm thinking. I think it just popped. Well, it's also noted in the police reports that it is uh, important to note that uh, there were numerous sex toys uh, were located in the bathroom, and uh, condom wrappers were located around the bed as well. And I thought they were just doing drugs. Anyway, in the interview, investigators with Miss Kemp noted that uh, she apparently met up with five men at a bar the previous night where they stayed until about 2 a.m. before picking her son up from the grandmother's house, and then she went back to the hotel room. They all drank, smoked, and did a little blow until three of the men left so that uh, she and the two remaining men could have some group sex in the room where her kid was. Well, kid was next door technically, but you know what I mean. Anyway, Ms. Kemper said that before engaging in the threesome, they had attempted to put the uh, couch her son was sleeping on into a closet and covered up the door with a sheet so that they couldn't be seen or heard in regards to the sexual activities. And I'm sure an 11-year-old has absolutely no idea what's going on. If your mom's picking you up in the middle of the night and taking you back to a hotel with, to be with strange men that you don't know, and they're not calling you son, and you're not calling them dad, yeah, I think it's getting a little weird. Anyway, sometimes after the uh, sexual activities uh, ceased, uh, Camper said that she heard uh, what sounded like the 60-year-old man having a medical episode. And um, shortly after that, uh, noises stopped, and uh, they decided, well, he was probably just sleeping. Well, Ms. Kemper and the 52-year-old man then left the room about 5 a.m. and uh, were gone several hours, leaving her son behind. When they returned about 9.25 a.m., they found the 60-year-old man unresponsive and cold in the bed, which is why they ultimately called 911. Investigators also noted that uh, it was important to note that uh, Kemper's son was left alone in the hotel room with the unresponsive 60-year-old, along with drug paraphernalia, and sex items for numerous hours. 
Needless to say, social services was called, and they now are in the custody of the 11-year-old child. Miss Kemper, well, she's in custody too at the detention center on a $15,000 bond. And apparently she hasn't made the bond just yet, but if she does, guess what? There's a protection order. She can't take her son, well, she can't have contact with her son so that he doesn't go with her on her little sexual escapades. I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, you can't make this stuff up. And then finally, they are dumb criminals of the day. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew TSA was a total scam. It's just like going into the courthouse at the Denver District Courthouse where they make you take your suit jacket off. They make you take your computer out. God forbid attorneys have computers or iPads. Unbelievable. Well, now we know TSA is nothing but a scam only to steal your money. I know. I thought it was just part of the harassment package, but now we know it's true. They have no purpose whatsoever. Take a look at this surveillance video. It captures some TSA agents at the Miami International Airport stealing from passengers as they go through security. The footage shows a Liberius Williams and Josiah Gonzalez apparently working in concert to steal money from passengers' bag at the security checkpoint. Now, this is back on uh, June 29th, this video comes from. Now, the video is provided by the Miami-Dade County State Attorney's Office, and it shows William shifting around items in a bin and then walking away while Gonzalez puts his hand on the item. Gonzalez is then seen gripping something in his hand while removing it from the bin, then immediately dropping something in his pocket before returning to the conveyor belt. Another clip shows Gonzalez starting to unzip a purse as the bin works its way down the belt. And then on July 6th, Mr. Uh, Williams, Gonzalez, and a third TSA agent, Elizabeth Fooster, well, they were arrested for removing some $600 from a passenger's wallet while they were going through security. The arrest affidavit for all of them says that Gonzalez and Fooster waived their rights at the time of the arrest and provided a written confession, and Mr. Williams refused to talk. Now, Listen, does this shock me? No. Do I think TSA is about worthless? Yes, I do. <laughs> but these three have got to be three of the dumbest people in the state of Florida. And there's a lot of dumb people in the state of Florida because they are primarily our dumb criminals of the day, and I don't know why. But how many cameras are at TSA where these three thought they could get away with it? Are you kidding me? Lock them up send them to prison. They had a badge and they spit on it. Take that, TSA. Take down DSA. Defund TSA. There we go. Couple of bad TSA. Take it all down. All right. Thanks for watching. Hope you had a good day. We'll see you next time.